Pandora's box is about to open wide. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Pandora's box. What's up, what's up, what's up? We're back. We're back, ladies and gents. And as you may know, or have realized, even though we are just a couple seconds into the show, of course, we're missing Obadiah today. Mm. No Obadiah. Just me and you, man. Mm-hmm. Just me and you. Takeover edition. Takeover edition. Takeover edition. It reminds edition. me of Ra- Rap Radar. When it we does. Used to, when we were doing it Rap does. Radar what, what time that was. Mm. Uh, you know what? That was a long time ago now. Yeah. We're doing Rap Radar together. Either yeah. way, I'm excited for today's show. Nice, I've got man. a lot of stuff uh, packed in for what we could talk about. Nice. Um, but I'll just start off. How have you been, Drew? I've been good, man. I've been good. And I've uh, I've just moved to Devon recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably been there a couple of months now. And it's just, I'm the happiest I've ever been really? in my life. Yeah. Really? Location-wise, yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely beautiful rivers and rolling hills of Dartmoor. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Got my own studio in the garage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, spot on, man. Have you been playing good. around with all the different gadgets and stuff you've been buying recently? Yeah, yeah. I've got a, I've got an RME interface, and it is just amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've been proper messing around in that Hansonic-like thing. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've started doing this, um, putting loads of reverb and delay on the actual drums, mm-hmm. and it just makes it sound super dubby, like, you know. Nice. So cool, so cool, so cool. But oh, I wanted awesome, to ask man. you as well, man, how, mm. how was your holiday? My holiday? You've just been to Ibiza, haven't I you? I have just been to Ibiza. I've just got back. Um, mm. Yeah, man. Well, it's, we'll start off from the beginning, <laughs> right? Because it started off... As the holiday from hell. All right. Which is what we're going to label it as. The holiday from hell is how it started. So uh, we get to the airport. Everything's, you know, moving swimmingly. Go and get a pint. Nice day. I feel like that's the that's the start of your holiday. When you get to the airport, you sit in the bar. Everyone gets yeah. a pint. No matter what of, time of day it is. Yeah, In exactly. the morning, in the evening, you go and get a pint mm-hmm. from the airport lounge. Everyone's rocking up. You can see them all coming through security. Mm. Yeah, no, good time. Ready to roll. So, um, so we get there. We, we take the flight. Flight goes swimmingly. Good, no delays, nothing like that. Because we were a bit worried because apparently there's been like delays everywhere recently. Oh right, in different airports. I don't know if it's, it's like the just stop oil people. Oh, okay. Or if it's something else, I'm not entirely sure. But I've just either booked way. my flights for Peru, and I mm. noticed uh, I'm going on the 23rd of June. But on the 24th of June, there's loads of um, strikes happening like at the airport as mm. well. And I was like, oh my god, I'm just gonna miss that. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. Seems like a lot. I of feel like that would be the worst if you got delayed on the way to your holiday. That'd yeah, be horrible. That'd be horrible. Either way, we didn't get delayed, so that was fine. We get to the airport and uh, our, we're waiting for our bags. We ended up waiting for our bags for like an hour, All like right. on the conveyor belt. Just like when people, you got to when you yeah got to yeah Ibiza. when we got to Ibiza, no clue why. Like people were coming in from different flights, arriving. Their bags are all coming through. They're all happy going on holiday, and we were just sat there like. This is horrible. So the first the first bad thing that happened, right? My friend bought a brand new iPhone 14 recently, oh, right? right. Uh, he actually broke his last phone because we were at the gym together or, or at, we were playing badminton, I believe. And then mm. the, the test was how quickly could you run from one end of the hall to the other end of the hall, right? So we all had a go and uh, he was dedicated that he was going to beat everyone because he is the quickest out of my friends. Mm. So he decided, right, he was just going to sprint. For some reason, decided just to not stop or slow down when he got to the wall, ran full pace into a brick wall oh and just completely God. like smashed his phone. That's savage. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. He just hit, I, we couldn't believe it. We were like timing him. And as he was running, I was thinking, is he going to slow down? Just full, full pace into the wall. 
it was he just brutal. wanted to get that time. Yeah, that time in as fairness, fast, it was it? a quick time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a quick time. So it was on that on that side of things. I suppose it was worth it a little bit. But um, but yeah, no, not good. So his phone. So he bought a new brand, well, brand new iPhone fourteen after after that occasion. And when we got on the airplane, um, for some reason his phone just completely like froze. <laughs> so it was just stuck on like the lock screen opened. Um, mm. could do nothing. He was obviously trying to like power it off, reboot yeah. it, all this different stuff, taking out a SIM card, trying anything. His phone was just done. <laughs> like it was, and it's so lucky it didn't happen before we got on the plane. Yeah. Because obviously you just get, nowadays you just have your boarding pass like oh, on your phone. Oh yeah, yeah. So he so, had all um, his bits and bobs on there. So yeah, we got, we got lucky that he actually got onto the plane before it broke. Mm. But his phone was then eliminated from the holiday for the next day and a half mm. or so until... For some reason, the next morning it just decided it was going to work mm. again. So that was the first bit, right? We're we're waiting for these for these bags for about an hour, and they finally arrive, and we all pick our bags up. You know, oh, things I thought are you good. were going to say they didn't arrive. No, they finally did. They finally did. So that was that was one other positive, I suppose. Although the the non positive was we had to then go get our transfer. So we all get on our transfer. Um, it took us a little while to find it because we didn't actually know where we were supposed to be going, but eventually got on and everyone's happy you know everyone's starting to feel like all right we're here mm-hmm. we're getting our transfer we'll be at our, our place we in a second in our mm-hmm. exactly and i look around as we take off i'm looking at all of my friends and i'm just it's not quite clicked yet but i could tell something was not there that they all had <laughs> and i was looking at everyone going what am i missing out on here and as I sort of looked at each person and their legs and they just had their backpack <laughs> like on the floor i looked down at my feet and just went Oh no. <laughs> so in my in my waiting in my waiting for my bags, I decided I was gonna you know, take off my bags. It was real heavy, had loads of stuff in there, like speaker, headphones, mm. all the different sort of stuff you want to take on holiday. And um but yeah. keep close to you so you have them on hand. Yeah, exactly. Like stuff that I really mm. wouldn't want to lose because mm. it'd just be really annoying. Mm. So um yeah, turns out I left that at the airport. Oh man. I literally just turned to my friend and went, I've got a really bad feeling I've left my bag and he went well, you've clearly have because you don't have it. And I went, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was that was the other start. Already, it, instantly, I was like, right, I've lost all connection to those items now. They're yeah. gone. I'll, I'll, my plan was, you know, I'll phone the airport, email yeah. the airport, whatever, figure it out. So that's what I did when I got there. They were all like, uh, we can't see anything now, but mm. we'll we'll keep you updated. If anything turns up, we'll let you know. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm not going to, you know, fly. I'm not going to get on a bus 40 minutes back to the airport just to find out what i've already known mm. so um i just decided if if anything happens you know god willing mm. that'll work out i won't worry about that for now so we all get in the airport um or in the hotel get our rooms i get for some reason this was the other thing as well right every we all paid for the same sized room same thing and everyone except me got <laughs> upgraded so they all got like this nice balcony you know double bed big room <laughs> And I walked in mine, I was like, right, I was seeing people put their put their hotel rooms in the chat and I was like, All right, cool. It's better than we thought it was gonna be. Walk in mine, I had literally had the smallest room in the hotel. What? Like lock like like a literal Harry Potter under the stairs kind of room. So um that was a bit brutal as well. But uh, either way, you know, you just move on, you get on with it. So we go outside and we're like, let's just go in the sea. You know, start off our holiday, get in the sea. Have a quick dip. Exactly, exactly. So my friend goes in, we're we're all in and uh one of my friend's shorts fall down and everyone's laughing at him. And then out of nowhere, you just hear jellyfish. <laughs> my friend with his shorts that had fallen down was like scuffling around trying to, you know, figure mm. himself out, get out of the way. And in doing so, because he was freaking out so much, swam 
directly into the jellyfish oh. and got stung on his right arm, right? So he got stung on his right arm. Brutal. As soon as yeah. he got out, I, I thought he was joking at first. And then he got out and he just had this huge red mark all down his arm. Oh, I was really? like, that's brutal. So it's like a jellyfish string, like a bit like a rash then. It's like, it's yeah. like, it's like goes... I, not, not I like almost imagined it was a bit point. like a wasp, mm. like a wasp sting, but more like the, if the whole sort of tentacles across you, then it'd oh, be like right. if a wasp sting was massive oh. kind of thing. It looked pretty Dang. brutal, to be fair. So he was freaking out and uh, decided he was, you know, going to try and figure out what to do. So he goes back inside and... Did any um, of your friends wee on him? We offered. <laughs> we offered, but he, did, he didn't take the offer. Instead, no. he went to the hospital. Oh. He decided he was going to go to the hospital for it, which in fairness, in hindsight, probably wasn't the smartest move because even mm. if he did get there and they let him in, they would have, you know, he would have had to figure out health insurance, mm. all that different stuff. So um, he actually got there. And I don't know if you know, but in Europe now, you need to have like a blue card all right. to actually get that. into the hospitals. Otherwise, mm. they just, they're not allowed to do anything. So he didn't have that. So they turned him away anyway. What? Um, so he ended up just going to a pharmacy. I did tell him to go to a pharmacy because I was like, People must get stung all the time, right? Mm. So he ended up doing that. In the end, it wasn't that bad. He, you know, his arm sort of recovered after they gave him the cream for it and stuff. So uh, that was another sort of cool thing that, that added to it, I suppose. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, that was just, all this happened within, I reckon, about an hour of being there. And we were just sat around going, oh what my God. What is going on? Yeah, what is going yeah. on? I couldn't believe how bad of a start it got off to. My friend's like, watch got stolen Whoa. Like from his room. Oh my God. So that one was of the cleaners brutal. or something. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so that was pretty brutal. And then like, um, one of my friends had to go home as well. What? Yeah. So it was just like, overall, there was just a couple of things that were like, this is a bit mental. But to be fair, after that first day, things started looking up. Yeah. You know, we went out that night. It was actually a really good night. Went out to down the strip, into all these different places. And um, yeah, that ended up actually being one of the best nights of the holiday, I would say. But the next day, my friend's phone started working. Mm. Uh, I received an email from the hotel. The email said, oh, we regret to inform you nothing has arrived for your bag. And then I got one about two minutes later saying, oh, we found your bag. And I was like, <laughs> all right, nice. <laughs> nice. So that was that was my next morning's task to oh. go to the airport and get that. So that was all, you know, You went good. and got it, like, you you actually, yeah. Yeah. Rather so, than waiting until the, going back to the airport at the end, you I like, just thought, you know, getting you a, I feel headphones. like getting a speaker, getting a headphones. Yeah. I had some alcohol those, in there as well. those Sony headphones? Yeah, man. You yeah, want man. those with you all, all Yeah, times. I want them on my head 100% of the time. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going back. It wasn't even that bad. I actually quite like getting on, like, I just went and got the bus mm. uh, really early in the morning and it was like... Bit of a mission. Yeah, a bit of a mission. Bit but of a mission, bit of an I, adventure. I actually quite like exploring mm. a little bit when I go on so holiday. So did you guys like explore you, like much when you were there or was it mostly just going out on the to the clubs and stuff? <sighs> to be fair, it was mostly in the daytime. We, we got all inclusive. Oh, yeah. Right, so it what was, was mostly... Like? Was it a bit... Um, it was just sort of hotel buffet food. Yeah. It was okay. One of my friends only ate bread. <laughs> for the five days he decided he's like the most picky eater oh I've ever seen God. in my life and he was like you know what I'm not eating any of it so yeah. he would just get a bread roll every single day and that was all he'd eat it was oh crazy I've God. never seen I was saying I don't know how you're still functioning mm. by the end of the holiday because it was mental I've never been like super impressed with all you can eat or not no. all you can eat you know like kind of um, all inclusive like, buffet, like buffets kind of, yeah. and stuff you, I think it's you have to go to like a proper proper like five star hotel mm-hmm. to get some like you know quality alo- food yeah 
Alicante, where they have like the restaurants there and stuff as yeah. well, and you can like book into those. Like, yeah, yeah. definitely. Hmm. I mean, it was fuel at the yeah, end of the day, just it was fueling just, you up for the nights out. Yeah, it was handy. You know, you walk in, grab a load, grab a plate of whatever you needed, and then mm. you were you were good to go. We've definitely made up for it with the alcohol there. Yeah, <laughs> in the hotel. Um, yeah, we, we were drinking apple schnapps, right. which essentially is just apple sours mm. uh, as just shots, and then we ended up just getting like loads of bottles given to us by the staff because we just ended up keep going up, and then in the end they were like. We'll just give you the bottles. Yeah. So that was quite cool. <laughs> nice. Um But yeah, no, it was a really good, really good holiday. Like the the second day we went on the flying fish, which mm. is a bit dangerous, I thought. Do you know what a fly, the flying fish is? Is it like a is it like a um like a banana boat? Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, like one of the inflatables that yeah. they're like tied to the back of a jet ski. Mm. And um we went on that. That was actually really fun. So our whole rule was you're not allowed, you know, you're not allowed to hold any of the handles. So we ended up essentially just wrestling on the flying fish the whole time it was speeding around, having a bit of a royal rumble, essentially. Nice. Um, so that was cool. That was definitely quite cool. Although I, we, one of my friends fell off because we, we were all just pushing each other off, obviously. And um, they stopped the boat. And then the flying fish just started sinking <laughs> under the water. So it was all from the front. So I ended up going head first over the flying fish. Yeah banged my leg on like a load of metal on the way back oh, so that was mate. another thing but to be fair that Sounds wasn't dangerous. that bad it was but i thought that after as soon as it Health started sinking, safety, i was like bro. whoa this is a bit brutal but um but yeah no that was still quite good we went to a place called pasha which is like the, the craziest nightclub yeah i've heard of pasha mm, yeah. <laughs> it's real funny makes mum would always um say she went she in ib for once she went to a pasha club and mm-hmm. she got up on the and there's there like podiums there where like where girls get up on them yeah and yeah, yeah. And, that. and she'd always say after that that she was a dancer at pasha <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah cool yeah claim to fame but she wasn't really she just yeah. she just drunkenly climbed up there one yeah day. she was a voluntary dancer yeah yeah pasha. <laughs> it was a, it was that's the craziest club i've ever been in though yeah it was like labelled as a super club, and to be fair, I wish we went into more super clubs because was it huge? It was massive, mm. man. And it was like we we when we first got in there, it was like a bit crazy. It was a masquerade party as well, mm. oh, so cool. everyone was wearing these like golden masks that were really cool. And we got in onto the dance floor, and the first song that played was like the vampire song. Oh right, and everyone was like. But all the white, all the lights like turned up really white as soon as it came on, and it just felt a little bit like demonic. You had all these like demon uh, mm. dressed girls like all dancing on the stuff. That sounds mental, man. Yeah, man, it was crazy, and I didn't even end up drinking that night. Mm. But we ended up staying until like six thirty. Nice, because it was just one of those ones. It where, was just a vibe. Yeah, it didn't mm. get boring at all. Because every time you'd look up, there'd be another person like flying over mm. your head on some weird like zip line or something. <laughs> And it's, it's nice to know there's like clubs like that, like, you know, just where loads of crazy stuff and it is more like a party rather mm. than just everyone getting completely wasted and doing stupid dancing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's probably a lot of that going on as well. Yeah. But like, you know, I like the idea of like a masquerade ball or something. Yeah. Cool yeah, to go yeah. To. It definitely mm. felt like you were at some weird, like highest of the high, like first class kind of place mm. where it was just all people getting down some weird stuff. Like you walk into Bohemian Grove or something like yeah. that, you know? So, um, yeah, no, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. It was quite funny. We were looking at, because um, as soon as we got back, you know, when you get the holiday blues mm. after a holiday and instantly you're just thinking, right, where do I go next? Mm. So I was speaking to some of my friends when I got back and we were looking, we searched up like the best clubs and stuff to, to go out on in Nights Out. And like all of the top ones were just like Bifa. Were they? Like pretty much every oh, wow. single one. So they really take it seriously over there, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, no, overall though, it was a really good holiday. 
good holiday. Mm-hmm. That's what we like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to Peru at the end of the month, so mm-hmm. that's going to be pretty cool. So is that the one? Ten days, but is that the one? What are you actually getting up to when you get to Peru? So I'm going to. Um, oh, I got a pretty crazy story actually. So cool. I'm going to a place called Blue Morpho uh, Retreat Center, uh-huh. and it's uh, it's like an ayahuasca ceremony center retreat space with hamilton salva who i've talked about on the pod yeah. like a few times but yeah it's called blue morpho and um you know blue morpho butterflies they're like they're yeah. only, they're only in south america and all that part of the world and they're massive and they're like that illuminous blue cool. color um yeah i don't know maybe get a picture up yeah 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 and the our new place in devon um we we it's it's like you know kind of out by the woods and everything like massive garden and stuff and i was just in the studio doing some looping but with the garage door open mm-hmm. meg's friend was around and she comes around and she's like drew drew you gotta come see this so I, I i went into the into the into like our static caravan and there was just a massive blue morpho butterfly Whoa. just in there just on the window just that like, and i was like what is going on yeah. with that because they they're they're you know they're not native to this country mm. at all and um yeah and meg picked it up and it was just like wow big blue morpho butterfly so i saw that as a bit of a sign about about going at the end of the month um but yeah there's a there's a butterfly and otter sanctuary quite close to where we live so i reckon it 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 got out of that and came and just kind of came flying over but still a bit peculiar that you're literally going to somewhere called blue morpho yeah and there's just a blue morpho butterfly i've got it up on the screen as well oh yeah cool yeah so that's a blue morpho butterfly they look so cool yeah man and they're they're big as well they're big and they're underneath of them um i didn't think it was a blue morpho because you see the underneath bit of it there if you go up a little bit yeah yeah it's all like all the circles yeah 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 that looks Um, mental I thought because I saw that that it wasn't a blue morpho, but that's literally just the underside right, of it. Right. So it was definitely one of those, like hundred <sighs> percent. That's a bit. cool looking animal, man. Yeah, it's just so cool just to see that. See, it's, it's, compared to his hand, it's mm. like like pretty much the size of a hand. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. So yeah, I saw that as a bit of a sign of like, yeah, you go on the blue be good. morpho. It's mm-hmm. gonna be cool. But yeah, I'm pretty like. Um, I'm pretty like freaking out about it as well. Really? I've been drinking a lot like recently and stuff as well. And it's better to like have a bit of a cleanse and get your diet sorted before right. you go and take part in like the ayahuasca ceremonies and stuff. So um, I'm a bit like, am I going to get my ass kicked? <laughs> you know? But I reckon it'll be good. It's a good sign. It's a good sign. I'm, How long I'm do you reckon it would take to, um, to actually flush all of that out? And Um, well, I I got all of the um you know the email saying about preparing and that, and it says with alcohol it says like seven days before like okay. don't drink anything so that's all right. So yeah, so I bad. had I had a few drinks last night. Chris Redram, shout out the alternative mm-hmm. uh, music show. Um, AW Radio, yeah, on AW Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we was listening to his show last night. Had a few beers, and I said to myself, "That's gonna be my last beers I have before the retreat now." So hopefully. It'll be all right. Cool, man. I'm so <laughs> excited to hear what it's going, what it's like when you've been there because you've been Peru before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've been to Peru before. It was really cool. Last time I went um, on like a there was this thing called Peru Hop, and it's really cool. If any, any anyone's in Peru and they want to see that see mm. everything, I would I would recommend Peru Hop. Literally, just coaches and they have these this run going from like Lima all the way to Cusco. So it's like down the coast, around some mountains, and then you're up in like the cu- in mountains in, in the Andes in Cusco. Mm-hmm. And um, it 
each place it stops, you know that you can get, I think it's like two coaches a day that just always run through it. And once you've got this Peru hop ticket, you can stay in any part for as long as you want Whoa. and just keep, you know, as long as you go at the right time and book on the, the one for the next day mm. or whatever, then you can just keep hopping on and off the, the, the coaches. And it's really cool. They they do um like excursions wherever you're going, but it's not too expensive. And there's always like people on the coach that are... um like uh, guiding it or whatever mm -hmm. and and they they're like really friendly you know and stuff and kind of help you out in that so yeah, that, that was a really cool experience so i was just kind of doing that when i was in in um in peru last time it ended up in um in in a little town called pizak in sacred valley like right at the end of the right. holiday and that was beautiful man that was mm. like mountains and stuff and yeah man i've just got up some photos of peru yeah just, just to even, oh, like, that was rainbow off. mountain i went to rainbow yeah, mountain man, that looks mental so yeah that was like covered in snow when i went Whoa. so like half the mountain was covered in snow and half the mountain was just you could see all those colors and everything mm. and there's obviously uh, machu picchu mm -hmm. and i didn't actually go up to up on machu picchu though all right because i thought it was it was there was too many it was quite expensive and there's loads of people and Bit stuff touristy. Thought, yeah yeah, and that's um that looks like Lima. So so that is mm. that's like Lima. So Lima is right next to um uh the coast. So you get absolutely amazing seafood. Yeah. And it is the first time I ever tried like ceviche. Have you ever tried ceviche? What's ceviche? So ceviche is like um it's it's like a load of like fish, like different bit cuts of fish and stuff, mm -hmm. squid and all of that. But they mix it with like lime juice and like some some different things. Right. And the lime juice actually cooks the the, the fish, Man, so it doesn't cook so it with good. heat. But yeah. because of the chemical reaction that happens Whoa. with it, yeah, yeah. So so it actually makes it edible and like and like cook, yeah, kind of cooks yeah, yeah. the fish in in like things. So so yeah, ceviche is pretty much like raw fish, but Damn. just with like lime and that. But it's so fresh because it's like right next to um, the coast and everything. Yeah, man, and, that sounds good. Yeah, it was so mad as well what I thought about Peru. It was like every place you went, because uh, I was like, going on that coach and stuff, like it was a, just a complete different um, like like landscape. Mm. And so one minute you'd be like up in the mountains and then the next minute you'd be in like mm. a desert, you know. And it's just like, it's like crazy. Yeah, man. And Nazca as well. Nazca was so cool. Mm. So you heard like the Nazca lines, yeah. And um it's a really, really dry part, so it all looks like desert and everything. Right. But they, I learned about like the aqueducts and the waterways. So the aqueducts were like these natural, um, that following the natural streams and rivers underwater. Right. And um, that would that would give fresh water to the whole of Nazca. Whoa. So so these ancient thousands of years, like they they'd kind of built these aqueducts around the underwater rivers, mm -hmm. and they knew kind of where they came out and stuff like that. So. That was what that was. That's what still takes the water to like Nazca City and that now. That's crazy, and it's man. mad to think of what what they knew back then. You yeah. know, of just how to like work with work with the earth and the natural streams and that to get their water supply. How long ago do you reckon that was built? Nazca, I, I like think the actual it, all the aqueducts and stuff. I think it's thousands of years. That's like crazy. A couple of thousand man. years or something. That's what they were saying that's when we were mental. there. Yeah, and that's where I saw like the bones in that as well. I think we got picture up of it before, but like mm. um. Yeah, the the Nazca tombs. So there was some pyramids and stuff there that are like ha like only partially excavated, mm -hmm. and um, tomb robbers would ex excavate the, the the tombs and just leave um, the you know the bones yeah. and the hair and everything. And the women never cut their hair 
back then so you just had these like dreadlocks that were as long as a person mm-hmm. just like all wrapped up on the floor and stuff so absolutely so crazy cool, so cool how how much foresight you have to have to like understand yeah. you're building something that would be used for thousands of years yeah. as well that's and just they, crazy yeah they're the nazca lines they mm. look crazy don't they so yeah man they were um they're kind of like etched into the ground mm-hmm. but because of the way that the wind is and and the the kind of the the heaviness of the material of the stone it never like washes like it never like the yeah, wind yeah, never yeah. affects them so they always so they've just been there for thousands of years as well <sighs> and um what the guy was telling us when we were there is it w- it was like a map so if you look at where like the kind of say like the monkey there's yeah. the one that's the monkey and where the, like the monkey is where that would be pointing if you walked in that direction you would get to the jungle and it would it'd be almost like a direct it was like a directional mapping system mm-hmm. that they would have to the different tribes that were around in peru right. and, and the, the different kind of communities and stuff like that and um and like the one that was the eagle you would get to the andes mountains and mm. you know that, all the condor and yeah man so yeah it's interesting so cool and there's so, one so there's cool. one that looks like a little spaceman or something oh yeah um and they were said they said that represents shaman <laughs> it looks like a little alien spacey man <laughs> that's awesome man that's so cool but yeah crazy crazy nice and um, yeah we can have ideas about where they're from but we just mm, we just never know no one knows like that's 100 you know so crazy mm. so crazy should we switch it up and speak about something yeah, a little man. bit newer now as well because uh i know you like your, your gadgets and oh, stuff. i love a good gadget and i saw about this the other day i don't know if you've seen much about it but the new apple vision pro oh man i looked at that um I think it was a couple nights ago, mm-hmm. like not last night, the night before. And I think it was when it had just come out. Mm. I, I'm on like Beardy Man's Discord. Right. And he's, Beardy Man is so cool. Right. He's, he's just insane looper. Have you, do you, have you seen any of his stuff? Don't think I'll have so. I'll show you at some point, yeah. man. He like, he's got like four iPads mm-hmm. and he has completely mapped his iPads to be controllers for like a thing called Ableton on, on his, on his computer, which is like a DAW, like a, right. like a workstation, like a, like, a, like, like Cubase or something mm-hmm. like to do music stuff on. And he just has a mic going into it and completely con- controls like all of his sounds, like through his mouth and through touching all of the iPads. And he does complete production, improvised mm. production, like on the fly and does all these crazy drum and bass and all that stuff. But yeah, I was on his Discord and there's a load of techie people in there because it's all about coding and everything. And yeah, I saw this video come up about these goggles and I was just like, so I, so I watched the video and it looks mental, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It looks full on Black Mirror, full on yeah. um, Ready Player One is yeah. what reminded me as well. Welcome to the era of spatial computing. The mm. idea that you could live in... Even if you were just living in like a one-person flat or something, right? Mm. A, a, a horrible little flat or something. Yeah. Run down. You could just chuck on these glasses and be anywhere you totally want. Totally immersed. It's mental, isn't mm. it? Like, I like the ideas <sighs> of being able to... Because you can just... um you, you you can like stretch out the screen to mm-hmm. be as big so you can make it look like a hundred feet wide. Yeah. And, in, and, and, and you can still kind of see your room and everything, but you could also change it to make it like you are in like a cavern uh with like stars all around you and do you see like the um headspace app kind of one that was like about meditation and stuff as well and i almost thought that looked a bit like it would be like an ayahuasca journey because Mm. it was like they they, 
showed it and it was just these like squares all like coming past you and it'd be man, like imagine mixing that in with yeah oh, oh, man. Then, That'd be then insane. double strength yeah that's crazy yeah it looks mad though doesn't it i don't know i'm wondering if it's gonna be as good as it looks i know what you mean do you know what i mean like when you put them on is it gonna how's it gonna because i do also think it is a massive just pair of goggles on your head yeah that, and it feels like such a such a jump yeah in technology from what we have now doesn't it yeah it seems like it looks a bit like quite like a cumbersome a cumbersome thing to wear but yeah you know i know what like i've got those sony headphones as well and i really like um how mm. comfortable they are mm. i wear them for hours so you know because haven't they been saying that they've been working on this for like a very long time i don't know i don't know much about it i just got like basically saw the video and thought yeah that looks pretty cool because it seemed kind of one, one of the things that i thought like as soon as i saw it is there's not really any need then for stuff such as for example like a cinema you're never mm. really going to need a set like people will probably still go just out of loyalty to it but you could you could just have a cinema in your room mm. you know at whatever size screen you want computers you wouldn't really need computers if you've just got this crazy technology which you can just powerful yeah bend to your will mm. it's mental it's mental. It is. It's like it's like it's like bringing holograms to life, isn't it? Yeah. Like, the, yeah, especially with the FaceTime calls and mm. stuff like that. And you could just have a FaceTime call, and the person would almost be like life-sized mm. in front of you. How mental is mm. that? That's fully Star Wars, the ultimate theater, wherever you are. Mm. That's crazy. It is madness, man, isn't it? Um, oh yeah, I was thinking about like, would it like wiggle when you wiggle and that but mm. no i don't think so i think it's just completely stays exactly like, mm-hmm. maybe knows which way your head's moving and that and little literally just will be like yeah. solid you know solid there what seems even crazier is that this is only obviously like the first step yeah like think how with phones or or game you know gaming devices all that different stuff the first one is always like seems almost groundbreaking at the time mm. and it is but it's how just, quickly yeah. it advances and the technology that's in it at mm. the moment and ha- how, how they've created the technology and then all of this stuff that's happening with AI as well mm. and how it's helping people, um, coders and that, like write new code and yeah. come up with, like, you know, figure out problems that we can't figure out with our mm-hmm. own minds and stuff, like with the power of its quantum computing. Like, mm. I, like that mixed with that as well is going to be like, yeah, where's it going to go next? Yeah, you know? man. 100%. Yeah, I just, I just, because it, Whatever happened to, to those like Google glasses? Because weren't like Google like mm. doing um doing ones and they were like these mini versions that they were like you kind of had these like Google glasses and they were like um you was yeah you, you Google saw glasses something definitely was a thing yeah it was wasn't it but I don't know like you say I, we will no longer sell glass mm. weird Is that I, what yeah it was? I wonder what happened to that I assume that was it it's a brand of smart glasses developed and sold by Google Google Glass that was it yeah. But it, yeah, obviously, just, just never didn't. really took off. Yeah, but then, so this this Apple thing looks like it will be way better than mm-hmm. that. And I feel like Apple would only release something like that if they knew it was going to be good and it mm. was going to sell. You know what I mean? Yeah, I still can't get over just how big they are on your head. That that looks mm. quite annoying, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't think you'd want to wear them for very long. Mm. That's what I heard as well. That that apparently the battery is only two hours, mm. they, and 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 the fact that the battery comes off and you got to have it in your pocket as well. Do you see that? Right. Like, it comes off and it's like hanging from this big wire, and you've just got a fat battery on the end of it, and like that might be quite annoying. Yeah. Unless you can like hot swap them and keep it going, but mm. you know, any a lot of movies are over two hours long now, aren't they? Yeah. So, exactly. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. 
it seems like if they were going to upgrade one thing, you'd have to think it would be a way of somehow making it look or, or feel smaller. Yeah, it looks massive, doesn't it? It looks huge. <laughs> that looks so uncomfortable, this doesn't huge, it? huge, cumbersome thing on your head. Yeah. Yeah, but power the external battery supports up to two hours of use. There we go, yeah. Which doesn't seem that... So unless you can hot swap it and, and keep it going, mm. but put a new battery on, mm. which I don't know how you would do, but, like, it, you know, you won't be able to watch any... No. And how long does it take to charge the battery? It's mm. like four or five hours. Yeah, know? exactly. It did say that you can keep it just plugged in, but then I suppose... Oh, could you? But, yeah, I suppose you just couldn't take it anywhere with you, mm. which would be a bit annoying, but... Oh, I wouldn't mind having it plugged in in the house. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. Plug me in at the wall, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch some crazy stuff. Look at that. Imagine just making your like bedroom the moon. Yeah. How mental is that? This would have never been like even comprehensible, what, mm. 10, 15 years ago? You know, yeah. It's crazy. Fully, fully Black Mirror stuff. Mental. Little mini OLED screens uh-huh. in, each, in each eye. Like full spatial audio as well, so everything yeah, did you feels see like that a full experience. The, yeah, like with the way that it it sends the audio out of these little bits on the side, like directly to your ears, but just like from outside, mm. kind of like yeah, that seemed a bit weird as well. Yeah, because they've tried that with um with different headphones before, haven't they? I don't know who, I don't know which uh, headphone company does it, but they have almost like neck ones. Oh right, and it's just like something you wear around your neck. And mm. it, it's almost like a speaker, but yeah, because of the way it works, it's only you it can really right hear into it. Your ears, yeah. I've used one of them before in like a was shop, it? and it was quite cool. Was it? It was quite cool. I can't yeah, imagine you can... hearing things like that way. No, it? It, was, it was. Yeah, it was quite freeing, I suppose, and actually a good way of getting around. Like, uh, if you don't like wearing headphones mm. or wearing headphones all day, then that's quite a good way to get around it, mm. I suppose. But, um, yeah, man, technology is coming on crazy. Mm-hmm. I definitely want one though. Yeah. Was Definitely. it like three and a half grand, I think, or three and a half yeah. thousand dollars? Three and a half thousand dollars, so. Yeah, and it's only going to be in the US at first, mm. so they better get it over here they quick. better get it over here. Yeah, I would definitely try it out, though. I reckon it would give me a headache, but mm. I reckon I'd try it out. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. What was the first thing you do, game or movie? <sighs> I think, you know what I think I would do first? I think I would see what I could change my surroundings into. Oh, yeah. So I think I'd like to, like, but like I was saying, like, make my room into the moon or something and just see what that looks like. Yeah, I would, I would, like, watch something, but, like, because there was this bit in the video where, yeah, she was kind of watching this movie or something. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you just see the room slowly just changing Mm. and it just all goes dark and, like, Mm. this, like, massive, yeah, like, Almost, yeah, like the moon or something, you know. Yeah. That'd be so cool. So we're showing someone that was, like, listening to music, weren't they? And they were just, like, lying on their bed. And then their whole ceiling just becomes, like, the sky. That's crazy. (laughs) So cool. So cool. Uh, Do you want to hear about an interesting person now? Yeah. This is someone that I was doing a bit of research on this morning when we discovered that we would be doing this episode. Um, Tarare. Have you ever heard of Tarare before? No. Uh, I will get up a photo of Tarare on here as well. He was the hungriest man to ever live. The medical mystery of Tarare. So I've just got like a big interesting thing about this guy. Such a crazy character. French spy. Yeah, this guy's mental. This guy is mental. So should we just get straight into it? Yeah, man. So uh, today's competitive eaters are renowned for consuming dozens of hot dogs in a 
in a single sitting, but the unusual eaters of old performed much weirder feats. Medieval reports describe people consuming hearty helpings of stones, spiders and snakes, among other poisonous things, and showmen were making a living touring Europe on the strength of their strange stomachs by the early 17th century. That in itself is pretty mental, isn't it? Mm. Like, I almost wonder Eating if... weird stuff. Yeah, I almost wonder if, like, we would be able to do that if we understood... Or if, no, if we didn't understand how bad it was for us. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because I suppose the reason that they would have been able to eat stuff like stones... Like, I don't reckon I could eat a stone. <laughs> but I feel like if they didn't know just how bad that would be for them, then yeah. perhaps that's why they could get that down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. There, there, have you seen... There's this film, and I can't remember what the name of it is... Um, and it has William Willem Dafoe in it, right? Um, as like as like the Carnival Man, and it's like it's like this weird thing where um, it's like it's like a traveling carnival, and um, people people go people like join the carnival, and they're like this little community and stuff. Mm. But the drunks, he picks up drunks, and he does this thing where he turns the drunks into like these freaks, like gets them hooked on like opium, um, and then just keeps giving them and keeps them in a cage mm. um and then he as a part of their is it is like is this a man or a beast and would put him in this like little pit and make him like rip the heads off chickens and like eat like eat them and like you know what you're saying about like weird to to create yeah. like a spectacle of it yeah i don't know if it's like this is like based on like a true I, thing that or sounds like it's based on a true story i've heard before of people that were like almost like abducted into the carnival scene yeah and just like made to be freaks yeah and they just weren't allowed to leave like, like you said kept in and he would do and that, like that. At, with the drunks like just give them a little bit of alcohol every day mm. mixed with opium so it gets some proper hook to it and then yeah would chuck them in this in this in this like pit and people would be like see you know see the beast mm. eat raw <laughs> eat, yeah, eat a man. raw chicken's head <laughs> crazy people would have paid to just see anything back then as well yeah wouldn't they? yeah not rules like there are today no definitely <laughs> not definitely not i don't even know which one that one's called man to yeah. be honest looking through this but and it has that other actor in he's like um do you know limitless have you ever seen limitless. that film limitless limitless so. is really cool as well it's about a pill that can an unlock like all the potential of your mind. All right. So you become like like so, and it's like a new drug that comes out right. that basically like un, unlocks the potential in your mind. Yeah. And um yeah, he was the actor. It's Almost the like Neuralink. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It's oh, yeah, Bradley to, Cooper. It's mental to think that all these different um concepts and ideas from movies that seemed so outrageous at the time mm. actually don't feel that far away now. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Is it? Is it Nightmare Alley? I think it might be. That, that did one. pop up with both of them. So that would make sense. Yeah. That's it. Nightmare Alley. I reckon that's what it's called. Yeah, man. That looks like it. Yeah. There's the carnival, like, like old school carnival. It's a real good movie, actually. Mm. I would. Um. I would recommend it. And he becomes like a really almost like becomes like a psychic man. Yeah. And it's uh, it's, it's super cool. It's super oh, cool. That's cool, man. That's and that, cool. I, I recognise her as well. That's Don't awesome. Me. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Back to Terraro. Back to Terraro. <laughs> but it's reminded me of that. Yeah, you know? no, that definitely, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because uh, they, they would have done anything to get in that sort of carnival, because I suppose it would have been a bed and food. Yeah. And that's all a lot of people were sort of aiming for, I suppose, mm. at the time. So anyway, continuing on. Uh, the Great Eater of Kent, a 17th century English labourer named Nicholas Wood, entertained fairgoers at a country festivals by consuming 60 eggs, mutton, three large pies and a black pudding in a single sitting. 
In the 18th century, one Charles Di- Charles Tile of Dorset ate 133 eggs in an hour alongside large quantities of bread and bacon. He then complained that he hadn't had a full supper. That's mental, man. If I eat like a if I make like a big sort of bacon sandwich, eggs, Man, that, that'll do me for, like, so long. Yeah. So imagine eating 133 oh, eggs. Man, I don't think I could ever eat an egg again. No. Sometimes no. if I have, like, four boiled eggs on their own, I'm a bit like, oh, because, oh, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I wouldn't want to have another egg right now. But, yeah, 100. That's no so way. crazy, isn't it? In, in 1792, according to a medical historian, Jan Bodenson, a French showman named M. Defoe, ate a particularly Luciferian banquet in front of a packed house in Paris, including an hors d'oeuvre course of asps in hot oil, dishes of tortoise, bat, rat and mole, an entree of roast owl in a, so- in a sauce of glowing brimstone, and a desert of toads adorned with flies, crickets, spiders and caterpillars. <laughs> the four then swallowed all of the candles on the table alongside a flaming glass of brandy and opened his mouth wide so that the audience could glimpse at the flickering flames inside his throat. Oh my god. That's crazy, isn't it? That is weird. Man, how do you even discover you can do that? Mm. Mate, some of these magician people like freak me out because mm. I'm like, how is that even just mm. How was it? How was it? Sleight of hand. Yeah, like it seems. Yeah, too, yeah. it seems beyond sleight like of hand. David Blaine. Me. Yeah, David Blaine and Dynamo. Mm. Dynamo. There's this. I keep seeing this other called like Rashid something or like he comes right. up on Facebook quite a lot. But I don't. I'm not watching too much of his stuff. But yeah, Dynamo. I used to love watching yeah, those. Man. That insane because he's like so skinny in that as mm-hmm. well, and just like would like lift these like massive weights. And yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's crazy. crazy. I remember seeing a real weird one where he was in Brazil doing mm. some sort of thing and he said that he, he got this like weird sort of anxiety and then just like disappeared into like oh mate air. I was just gonna say that yeah, yeah like where, and, and he's walking through like a um, he might have done it a few times the one that I where I saw him do that was in um, in like a shopping mall right and he was just in and then and all that was left on the floor is just his clothes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no that is that is the complete one that I saw um, Dynamo disappears in HMV we'll see if this is it <laughs> yeah, see, that's mental, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he just walks off, and he, and you see his clothes drop mm-hmm. to the floor. Jedi what is going style. on with that? You know, and people will say, "Oh, it's all just camera tricks." Mm. But I don't know. It looks freaky. To Still me. cool. I'm quite a gullible person. Yeah, but... I feel like it's quite fun to go along with that kind of stuff, though. Yeah, I'd rather be fooled than so than understand the trick. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Do you believe in magic? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, continuing on with Terrare. Uh, he was the most amazing eater ever recorded. An 18th century French showman able to consume his own weight in beef by the time he was 17. It's unclear whether Terrare was his real name or a nickname, as Bon Bon Terrare was a popular French expression at the time used to describe powerful explosions. And Bonderson... Uh, speculates that it may have been applied to Terrare because of his prodigious flatulence. Mm. Uh, Terrare's appearance was reportedly relatively normal, except for an enormous mouth stretched uh, stretched wide over badly stained teeth Mm. and a distended belly that hung so low he could wrap it around his waist when it was empty. Uh, 
He was also said to sweat constantly and emit a powerful odour. According to a report in the London Medical and Physical Journal, he often stank to such a degree that he could not be endured within the, within the distance of 20 paces. Oh man, that's, that's pretty crazy, so savage. It? So he just had this because I was thinking, how could he eat his own body weight? Like, how mm. is it? Like, how would that, How's even, that work? even possible? Yeah, yeah. your stomach and that. But it seemed from what you were saying there that it was almost like stretched out his set, mm. and he could like wrap it around his his bed. So it almost like he didn't he didn't get fat everywhere else, but his his like stomach yeah. would just like super stretch think, out. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. A medical marvel. Medical marvel. Absolute madness. Born in the French countryside near Lyon in the early 1770s, Terrare ate so much that his parents kicked him out of the house when he was in his teens. <laughs> According to Bonderson, Terrare then spent a while touring the French provinces in the company of robbers, whores and vagabonds before taking up empl- employment with a travelling quack, swallowing stones and live animals to draw attention to the charlatan's dubious medical cures. So like you said, just basically went around and was mm. swallowing live animals and stuff like that. Um, he left the Quack's employment in, nine, in 1788 and made his way to Paris, where he performed on the streets, swallowing baskets of apples, corks, flints and other objects. After one such show, he suffered an acute intestinal obstruction and had to be carried to the Hotel Dieu Hospital. After being treated by the surgeon there, he was offered to show off his talents by swallowing the man's watch and chain. The surgeon was not amused and replied that he would cut Terare open with his sword to recover his valuable possessions. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine just curing a guy and he was like, I'll swallow your watch. And you're like, what? That's pretty crazy. Man, that's mental. When 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 we thought about eating, he was eating stuff. Mm. Like I thought he was eating loads of stuff, not actually like mm. metal. And yeah, things he could like, like eat could, anything. Yeah crazy that's bad it's bad for you man when the revolutionary wars broke out terrare signed up with the french army the military rations weren't enough for his appetite though and he was soon taken to the hospital at salts complaining of exhaustion despite being given quadruple rations so he was given four times the amount that mm. everyone else was given um and he was chowing down on, on all poultices in the apothecary his needs remained unsatisfied and the military surgeons were so amazed that they asked to keep him there in the hospital for experiments. While there, Terrare ate a meal intended for 15 German labourers, including two enormous meat pies and four gallons of milk. Oh, mate. He also ate a live cat, breaking open its abdomen with his jaws, drinking its blood and later coughing up the fur and skin as well as puppies, lizards, and snakes, which were said to be a special favourite. He even ate he even ate a whole live eel in one, uh, leaving the bones to settle in his stomach. The doctors, which included one M. Corville and Pierre-Francois Percy, mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest military surgeons of his day, declared themselves astonished. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. I'll get up a photo of what an eel's bones look like as well, because... On one of the videos that I was watching about this, they were showing this, and like, he if he ate the whole thing home at uh, whole, this is what he would have had like inside his stomach, is like, That's this crazy skeleton of like all these different sharp bones, and he just somehow was fine. 
So, I mean, it's savage, like, how that was, like, just travelling through his body, all mm. the bones and, like, the metal and, like, everything, like... Like, I, I genuinely can't even... Did it, did it break it down? ...begin to understand or? how you would be able to do that. Yeah. So, did he break... Did he just poop it all out? Yeah. I, sh- I assume he must have, but <laughs> how would you even... It gets even crazier as we go on, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll just continue on and we can speak about it. No, that's um, not it. Yeah, that is not it. There's still a lot to go. Oh, my God. After a few months in the hospital, the military board inquired about when Terare might return to duty, but the doctors were unwilling to to part with their fascinating subject. As Bonderson describes it, M. Corville uh, came up with an ingenious, if bizarre, plan to make Terare useful for both science and military. He would courier documents with his own body. Um, First, Corville acted asked Terare to swallow a wooden box with a document inside. Two days later, Terare returned from the hospital latrines with both box and document in good condition. (laughs) After a repetition of the experiment at French Army headquarters on the Rhine, Napoleon may have also been there, which is quite Mm. an interesting thing, uh, Terare was officially employed as a spy. His first task, to deliver a message to, to, uh, to a French colonel held prisoner in a Prussian fortress. Interesting. So we'll leave that there for now because we've got to go into a track now. But um, when we get back, we will continue with the interesting story of Terrari. Cool. Terrari. Yeah, I just realised that, that I'd run out of time. Oh, that's cool, man. That is fucking mental. So what, I mean, did he poo out the box or mm. did he like puke it up? How do you poo out a box? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I thought when I was reading that. I was like, I'm not sure that... Yeah. Yeah, that's mental, isn't it? Like, mm. how big... Yeah, crazy. Ridiculous. Should take a little while to load. What day did you say you were going Peru? Uh, the 23rd of June. Cool. It's so, not long now. Yeah, like... Oh. Yeah, I'm freaking out a bit about it, but it'll be alright. You just worry that you're going to react like badly to the. Yeah, I just I don't I'm, I don't really go in altered states that much anymore. Like, right. I used to do it quite a bit and stuff, but I just don't. So I'm like, oh, just being in that like psychedelic realm of geometric mm. craziness. I'm just going to be. I'm just a bit like, uh, am I going to freak out? Like, you know. Is Meg going as well? No, no, I'm just going on my own. Right. So. But there's this there's this dude that I've been like chatting to. He's really cool. He's like a coach and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, he's he's going. And I've been like doing these calls, these like weekly calls with him and that. Like oh, cool. um, like in like another group of people, he just does these free like calls that you can log on to. Um, so it's gonna be pretty cool that he'll be there. And mm. there's this other guy, like girl called Barrette Perlman, for, who was like an she's an ex wakeboard professional wakeboarder cool. from America. Cool. Um, she's gonna be there as well. So like. They're two people that I know are going. Yeah. Um. So it would be cool to like connect with them. And it's stuff it's and good to know that you've almost got. I feel like in a situation like that, it's good to know you've almost got people you can trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seem like really nice and stuff. Mm. So hopefully it'll be cool. But oh god, man, yeah. I'm, there's a part of me just like I don't really want to go. <laughs> Do you mm. know what I mean? Like I just want to be like, just want to stay at home. But I paid for it all now and everything, and mm. I bought my flight and stuff. So I'm just gonna do it. But if I freak out too bad, I'll just like miss because there's four ceremonies. But I'll like miss one or something, and, right? And just just take part, but like not having like a massively high dose and stuff. Yeah, man. 
So to see how it goes. I'm sure it'll be good. Did, it, did the guy say if there's anything you can sort of do to prepare? Uh, yeah, be healthy and and right. and like stuff like that. But I've just been like drinking loads and that, so I think I'm just a bit like, oh, probably shouldn't have done that. But with moving in the summer and that, and just like it's just been, mm. I've not been too like conscious about stuff. I've just been like kind of, yeah, just drinking and eating. And I was working out a bit, but I've not been working out as much right. and that. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm. Just, I don't, I don't. I'm not like physically and like mentally probably in the best place. Like that, say if I've been preparing for preparing for a couple of months before, I'd be, you know, just a bit more. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So yeah, sure. I suppose it must be even like a little bit harder to do that when you're down there as well. Because it's such mm. must be such like nice, especially with the weather at the moment. Yeah, like it, yeah. it sort of comes to life around this time, doesn't it? That yeah. that whole area. And I just so. love having like a beer and or or like a mm. cider in the sun and that you know. So I've been drinking like pretty much every day, but. Mm. Literally, I'm not having another drop now before, before going away. So yeah, I, that'd be cool. I was thinking I might go teetotal. Oh, nice man! I might. Well, I don't know about teetotal, but I think I might just like not drink as much. So I just, just realized make a bit of weed every now and again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I just realized recently, like where I realized when I was in Ibiza, because we were like some nights we drink, some nights we wouldn't, but. The drinks were so expensive in the clubs. Like to get into a club, it was like fifty euro. Mm. To get drinks in a club, like for one rum and coke, it would be like twenty euro. Really? So it was just like I just didn't want to spend that when I was out. So we we're just mm. drinking beforehand, and then by the time we actually got to the clubs, didn't really feel that drunk anyway. Mm. But I actually preferred it so much more. Yeah, like it was so much better just actually being with it a little bit mm. and like being able to enjoy everyone's company without being yeah. It, it probably keeps people like a bit more level-headed in the mm. clubs as well if people are like not drinking as much because it's so expensive mm. unless they're like ballers and just like yeah you know which we, there definitely was a couple was there you just saw people like buying like 500 pound like harrison said he walked past the table and to buy like a bottle of like gray goose in a club it was like 500 pound and he went past and said that there was like eight of them and they just gray all had goose. a bottle oh my god crazy gray goose is like is that vodka mm. yeah Oh my god, it's not is that even that expensive generally? No. Buy it for like what twenty five quid? Oh my god. <laughs> Mental. It's insane, isn't it? What people will do. <laughs> mm. But yeah, yeah, no, it was like we didn't witness one fight on a night out either. Oh nice. So it just felt like really like I don't know, just quite safe and cool. That's cool, man. Yeah. A bit bit more of a wholesome experience. Because mm. mm. that was that was one that I was real dreading. Like yeah. In the same way that you were dreading Peru, I was just like, I didn't really want to go. Mm. But it ended up being really good. So. Yeah, I think it, it will be with this one as well. Mm. I'm just a little bit scared. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right, should we get back into yeah, it? Yeah, let's do it, man. I want to hear about this crazy dude. Cool. <laughs> what a song. What a track. We need to bring back those mm-hmm. crazy loopy tracks. <laughs> yeah man I'm looking forward to hearing when you guys get back on it because mm. I used to love listening to what you guys got up to yeah. every single time of course those two tracks uh, that one was Tome of Woe before that Apocalyptic World Apocalyptic World so cool I love that track um, anyway what were we doing before we went into those two tracks well we were giving you a history lesson on the the man with the hungriest appetite to ever live mm. uh, his name's Terare he was French in the 1700s and uh, yeah where we left off He's just been appointed as a spy and he has to mm. basically eat boxes of information and take them out and then just poo them out or, or throw them up. We don't know whether he's We've pooing them. We've got no clue. Or he's throwing them up, but they're coming back out. Mm-hmm. 
I think I reckon he was pulling them out, which is sounds How would you crazy, out doesn't a box? it? Yeah, like, that is like... and like, all the all the different animals and bones that he was yeah, eating man. as well, man. Crazy. Um, however, Terrari's mental abilities were apparently dwarfed by the powers of his stomach, according to a report in the London Medical and Physical Journal. Terrari was almost devoid of force and of ideas. And so, while the army officers told Terrari he was swallowing papers of key strategic importance, the note that he was entrusted with simply asked imprisoned French colonel to report back on any information he might have about Prussian troop movements. <laughs> so he was basically sent thinking he had like the bit, he was the man. You mm. know, he had the big important sheet. No, he did. They just gave mm. him like a little sort of note that, you know, it wasn't the end of the world if he didn't even mm. get it. Uh, it turned out that the French officers were right to be concerned as Terrari was captured outside the city of Landau and almost as soon as the mission began. Uh, this may have had something to do with the fact that he didn't even speak a word of German. <laughs> so they basically just dropped him off in Germany. This man who was running the streets, like eating random stuff on the streets, you know, live cats, stuff mm. like that. Couldn't even speak English, or not English, couldn't even speak German. And uh, yeah, no, no surprise that, of course, he got captured. The poor glutton withstood a strip searching and whipping without betraying his cargo. But after a day with the Prussian counterintelligence, he finally confessed. The Prussians tied him to a bog house and waited for his digestive system to deliver the goods. When it compiled, uh, no, when it complied, however, they were enraged to discover such a banal message inside the wooden box. They believed, as did Terare, that he was cr carrying crucial military intel. The Prussians beat him brutally, then subjected him to a mock execution, letting him get as far as the scaffold before calling off the executioner. Oh. So basically were like, now nah, we're just going to worry this guy, send mm. him up, which seems pretty brutal in itself, yeah. doesn't it? You well, actually think you're going to die mm, in that moment. I suppose better than actually killing you, but still pretty sketchy. Um, understandably terrified by his ordeal, Tarare returned to the hospital, begging Dr. Percy to cure him. Unfortunately, all of the reported solutions for excessive eating that Percy tried, um, tincture of opium, sour wine, tobacco pills, copious amounts of soft-boiled eggs, uh, all proved to be in vain. <laughs> Terrari found himself unable to live on the hospital's food and snuck out to butcher shops and back alleys, fighting street urchins and animals for scraps of decaying carrion. Oh my God. He even drank the blood from other patients at the hospital, and was kicked out of the hospital morgue several times for trying to eat the corpses. That is insane. That's crazy, isn't it? Several of the doctors complained that Terrare would be better off in a lunatic asylum, but Percy defended his presence at the hospital. That is, until a toddler mysteriously disappeared from the wards, and Terrare was the prime suspect. No. The furious doctors and porters finally drove him away for the hospital for good. So I don't think they ever had any proof that it was him. Oh my but god! But they like clearly, pretty much knew that he just mm. ate a child. Mental. That's insane. Mm -hmm. For the next four years, Terrare's where whereabouts are unclear. But in 1798, he showed up at a hospital in Versailles, so ill he could barely rise from his hospital bed. Terrare believed that his trouble stemmed from swallowing a golden fork, but the doctors recognised him as suffering from advanced tuberculosis. Um, tuberculosis, sorry. Mm -hmm. After a month after Percy was notified of his admittance, Terrare uh, was struck with terrible diarrhoea 
and he died a few days later. The doctors were loath to undertake an autopsy. Uh, Apparently, the corpse had become prey to horrible corruption soon after his death, uh, soon after his death, but the chief surgeon at the Versailles Hospital overcame his disgust and opened up the cadaver. He found that Tarare's gullet was unusually wide, and when the jaws were forced open, they could see all the way down into Tarare's enormous stomach, which was covered in pus and uh. filled almost the entire abdominal cavity. The liver and gallbladder were similarly oversized, and according to the London Medical and Physical Journal, the stench of the body was so insupportable that M. Tessier, uh, chief surgeon of the hospital, could not carry his investigation to any further extent. Crazy. So you could see inside his stomach from down his mouth. How mental is that? Yeah. Just complete, like, freak of nature. Um, the cause of Tarare's extreme gluttony has never been diagnosed. According to Bonderson, no case resembling Tarare has been published in the modern medicine, and while the reports of his eating habits beggar belief, um, they were recorded by some of the foremost medical authorities of the time, and well known among the Parisians who delighted in his macabre display, uh, displays. Percy wrote in a memoir, let a person imagine all of the... D- all that domestic and wild animals, the most filthy and ravenous, are capable of devouring, and they may form some some sort of idea of the appetite of Terrari. Crazy. What a what a guy, man. Yeah, it must be mad to just like be just that hungry all mm. the time as well. Mm. Just like you cannot satiate the your thirst or your yeah. hunger. Yeah, yeah, and he just completely like couldn't control himself no. either. Because it was just fully like Bodies like, I need it. When an eight child tried to eat like multiple dead bodies, oh man, was like he would go and like drink the blood of other people that were getting like, yeah, started. That's just crazy, isn't it? Just crazy. Damn, man. Damn, that puts uh, man versus food to shame, doesn't it? Mm. Like crazy. Yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. Anyway. On to the next thing now. On to the next topic. On to the next topic. What else have you got for us then? What have we got for you? What should we learn today? Well, well, well. What would you like to learn? Um, We actually saw Obadiah earlier Mm. today Mm. and uh, and Emily. And of course, we were told. It's a very nice little visit. We we definitely should do a full one with Emily, Mm. a full full podcast Mm. in the future. That'd That'd be cool. cool. But, um, But yeah, they were telling us about the history of the green dye and uh, Mm. the history of the color green death. So I just thought we could like, have a little look about that as well because it sounded pretty cool. So um, apparently in seventeen is, is that a picture of the, the, that's that looks like the, it must that, be, that might yeah. be the shade of the green then. Mm. It looks all right, doesn't it? Yeah, that's you can see special. why people liked it. Mm. But still pretty crazy. Essentially, um, in seventeen seventy five, uh, the discovery of a deep vivid green led to a fashion craze lasting for more than a century. Um, from the start, Shield knew that the pigment he had developed was highly poisonous, but Ew. he also realised that it was unlike any other green pigment pigment available on the market. The lucrative law of bringing this deadly hue to manufacturers, cloth dyers, artists, and more worldwide provo- provide, uh, proved irresistible to Shield. So it just sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? Basically, there was this crazy colour of green, which I believe all these photos are sort of reflecting on, and uh, it was just completely poisonous mm. to everyone. So much so that even though it was being, you know, put into dresses, put into wallpaper, um, 
people still wanted it in the house and and to actually wear the clothes and it uh, we we need to actually find out exactly what it did to people but mm. it just sounds crazy its vibrant color can be found in clothing wallpaper toys candles dyes and more through the end of the 19th century gowns hats gloves and socks were dyed with it sometimes making the wearer ill through touch alone Whoa. children in green rooms were documented were documented as wasting away and women in green dresses were struck ill swooning in droves the ingredient that made the color in shields green so vibrant was also responsible for its deadly deadliness that ingredient was arsenic Whoa. man that's crazy you hear isn't about it? arsenic as a poison mm. I think that'd be, man, I reckon that'd be one of the worst ways to die is like getting poisoned mm. and just not really knowing what's happening to you, but you're just getting up worse and worse. What was that? Was it Was it Callum that was saying about that woman who wrote a book about um, overcoming loneliness or something or, or, or grief of losing someone and it actually turned out that she had like poisoned, like slowly yeah. poisoned her husband <sighs> and we had, we got a picture up of it and everything and it was like, She'd just been like slowly poisoning him, and he mm. he even thought that it was happening and mm. stuff. But then she's, oh man, it's like savage, isn't it? The person you trust the most. Yeah, I think that is one of the scariest things. Is like um, like deteriorating, but not knowing where you are. Like when yeah. you're getting like when when people get illnesses and like or what what it must be like with being mm. like slowly poisoned as well. It's just like you're getting worse and worse, and you don't know what it is yeah. in your own body or what's causing it. Like, that was a horrible way to go. Give me a quick death, man. Not yeah, like a, man. Not a slow. I hundred percent agree. Like, and that's the worst way to go. It's just like a horrible slow death where mm. you can't really fix it. And you don't really know what's happening. Yeah. Horrible, man. Horrible. It's it's mad as well. Like the things that were just in um, like products like throughout history that mm. was just killing people. Like mercury, like mercury poisoning, mm. lead poisoning. Mm. Um, What's the other one in houses and that? And there's, there's actually asbestos. some... Yeah, asbestos. Mm. Like, like literally put in every single house. Like the amount of propaganda for like how good it was yeah. to stop fires and, and stuff. It was just like killing people. Just, yeah, murdering people, man. Mm. Crazy. Like even today, places just constantly have to get it like removed from their plate, from the house, don't they? Because mm. isn't, it, isn't it something where it's like fine if it's not touched? I think but so, once yeah. it's like messed like around with, it's just... fibres and stuff on it. Like, mm. getting, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know much about it. Mm. I remember when I was working at Hinkley Point, we, we had like a asbestos um, like day. Right. <laughs> asbestos day. Asbestos day. And, and like they were, they gave a presentation on it and that, but I've completely forgot. Right, 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 right. I know it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asbestos bad. Asbestos bad. That's, that's <laughs> all they told you on asbestos day. <laughs> um, yeah. So historic rumour had it that the vivid green wallpaper in Napoleon's bedroom on St. Helena Island where the uh, deposed ruler died in exile showed traces of Shields Green. So mm. they reckon that that's what killed Napoleon. Whoa. That's pretty crazy as well. Um, tragically misunderstood. As the opening quote by William Moore, Morris uh, highlights, the action of arsenic in the human body was not understood by many of the users and practitioners that made the colour so famous. Why? because the arsenic did not affect everyone the same way. Some people exposed to the paint would fall ill, while others uh, with a similar exposure did not. However, a tragic pattern soon emerged. It was particularly lethal to those most vulnerable, children, the elderly, and the sickly. Mm. Yeah, man. 
That is a crazy, crazy fact. Death by arsenic. Death by green. <laughs> Imagine that, man. Imagine that. I, uh, I I heard an interesting thing about colours this week as well. Mm-hmm. It was about uh, I was I was watching a video on psychological exper- experiments. Oh, okay. Right, and one of them was about if we don't have a word for a particular colour. Can we see that color? Mm. Right, and the idea was that they were in in the past. Um, multiple different people, like the, there was just no there was no word for the color blue. Right, right. Way back in the day, for like certain tribes and stuff, there was just no word for the color blue, and no one can really figure out why that actually is. Mm. Um, but there was multiple different words for the color green. Mm-hmm. So people, you know, obviously there would have been blue things there they, they even explained in writing stuff like the ocean which mm. obviously as we know is blue or the sky but they would always describe it as sort of like a weird green color mm. so um so they tested this with a tribe in i believe africa that um did not ha- was similarly didn't have any knowledge of the color blue but they had loads of green so they showed them this color wheel right mm. and there was maybe 15 different colour greens, or I think they're all the same colour green, Mm. and then one colour blue. Mm. So to any of us, it would be like distinguishable. We would instantly go, oh yeah, that one's one's the different one, that one's blue, right? But they were showing it to these people and they just couldn't like see the difference. Like it was almost like they were looking at it like completely confused, like what is blue, Mm. you know, what what is different here. Mm. Then they showed a colour wheel of once again, 15 different greens that were all the same and a different green that was um, slightly different in colour to the other greens, we probably wouldn't even notice, right? Mm. If you showed us a photo, we would be like, oh, they all look the same. But Mm. because they have like 40 different words for green, they were instantly able to recognise the difference in the shade of green Mm. um, from the one that was like different to the rest of us so much quicker than we could because they've like understand, you know, what that is. They they just know that colour, mm. you know, and that would have actually been something they understand, whereas they just didn't know what blue was. But that's quite mental, isn't it? Yeah. I find it really strange, like, your, how, yeah, your perceptions and colours and things like mm. that. Like, me and you probably see colours in a different way mm. and stuff as well. Like, or I, I notice it whenever I go out on a sunny day, I do this weird thing mm. where I'll, I'll be like, like sitting there or lying there and look and like I can only notice it when it's a really 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 sunny day but if I cover my left eye and look at look just through my right and then I cover my right and just look through my left the colors look different really yeah yeah like like not not different as in like blue looks like red or something like that but just one of you know like like a slightly different shade or something yeah you know you know like uh like like on the cameras where you can turn it warmer or cooler like one of them is a lot cooler and Whoa. one of them is a lot warmer. So I'm that's like, crazy. what, what, you know, that's just my, that's just because of my mm. genetic makeup of my eyes makes my perception of those colors like so different. Yeah. And yeah, and I think it's just the same in nature. And you think of like dogs, like dogs see, um, different, yeah, they like, see you know, like no like, colors at all. Yeah. Much. It's just like yellow and blue Which and must green, be weird, you know, <laughs> yeah, but mm. well, not for them, because yeah. that's just all they know. But yeah, it is, isn't it? It's just a strange thing. It's like a, it's, it's just a perception thing, and like we know like reality based on our perception. But yeah, others are probably going through a completely different reality mm. with a lot less blue. I did hear that blue was the least, mo- like the least common um, uh, uh, color in nature. Really? Um, yeah, but but there is a, a hell of a lot of different greens. Yeah. So. Um, 
I was reading about it and people were saying or wherever I was reading was saying that um, that is a is a reason why like tribes and things yeah, will yeah, be able yeah, to see sure. so many different shades of green because of all of the leaves and knowing mm. the different plants and everything you would have to and hunting your eyes would have to be able to differentiate all yeah, of these greens because most of it is green and you still need to know what you're getting you still yeah. need to see the animal you still need to like pick the right plant and stuff mm. like that so it was a, a lot more necessary to develop like the yeah ability to like see shades of green but because there's hardly any blue in nature yeah um because you do get it and sometimes on like peacocks and stuff like that there are a few mm. animals that have like or blue blue tits like yeah, birds. yeah or berries or stuff yeah like that. yeah like you do get some blues in animals and plants and that sometimes but it's just a lot more rare than green what shocks me about that is that even though like definitely there would be more green in terms of nature mm. but blue obviously has the constant of, yeah, the, uh, of the sky. Oh yeah, exactly. So there was yeah. always going to be blue there. So they yeah. would have seen the color blue, which makes it like mental to me that they wouldn't have ever gone. Oh, this is clearly different mm. from that tree. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, man. And it is is it as well? Think like you know necessity of what you're doing. Like if you're in a tribe, like how much how much time would you sit mm. looking at the sky? Or or you know, if you're in forests and it's covered, mm. like do you know what I mean? Like how many time how much of the day you would be in complete open vast plains looking up at the sky? Mm. Or how much you'd just be looking at like leaves and whatever you're going through. Yeah. You know? It's like it's weird, isn't it? But Is there no. is there sort of an idea that there is more colour out there that we can't see? Yeah, I like that idea. Like when you said like because mm. we haven't got a a um haven't got a name for it or whatever like yeah. that, i find that hard to believe like just but I, I think it's more of a perception thing rather than like a naming of something yeah for sure like you know if if it like your eyes can see between this spectrum of light mm. um so mixture of those waveforms mm. of the cover color will give you different colors yeah you know? and, like, like, and it's on a spectrum of things see, yeah because yeah. like it's like when you look on the wheels and it goes from like black to white or like red to yellow whatever mm. it is and there's just every shade just just kind of mm-hmm. changing but yeah it's interesting it's weird like that when you look at the bit rates in cameras and stuff as well like that's that's important for color i right. can't remember the, the the names off or like the i can't remember the, the the numbers off the top of my head but the difference between 8-bit color and 10-bit color is like astronomical so like the, the amount of shades that it can represent in like pixels of color mm. from 8-bit compared to 10-bit is like a massive difference so Whoa. like you know when they say about shooting and it's getting a bit nerdy now on like cameras <laughs> and stuff but yeah like on vlog have you heard of like the, the right. so like a color profile that that cameras will film things in is called vlog and that is basically like a really flat like so if you looked at it it just looked like really like mm. no contrast or anything it looked like and then you have to add the contrast and add the color like right. back into the image but if you film in that vlog profile it um it, it it gives you the most um ability in post editing to bring more colors out of it mm. but it, it records it flat and then you bring the colors out yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. you can't do that in 8-bit really because if you do right. it in 8-bit you'll have like patches on it and everything when you bring the colors back in and like faces you have like patches of like brown that aren't actually like mm. your face color tone and stuff 
but when it does it in 10 bit it can produce like loads more of the colors really so you crisp. get yeah so it's never really picking it up exactly how i mean like yeah if we could study the different colors that are in our skin pigment yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what i mean like every cell a little bit different not mm. all exactly the same you know how much can a camera like really you know and it's it's based on how much it can how much digital like mm. thing it can mm. it thing so yeah and like and our eyes like like, like you said, the the fact we can only see a certain amount, yeah, of, of, of what, light you know, frequencies. What, yeah, what else is actually out there that yeah, we oh, can't and see? And that's what's so stuff. interesting about dimensions and stuff. Yeah. Like you think of different dimensions of like of life and waveforms mm-hmm. and stuff. It's like we see like naught point whatever percent of light frequencies where our little human spectrum is like that compared to the mm-hmm. vastness of it. So it's just like we're just not seeing stuff that's yeah. going on beyond that light spectrum. And I find it so cool or, or crazy that. The, the, even if there was another colour mm. out there outside of our vision we would never ever be able to comprehend or find that colour mm. like the, that just mm. isn't something that can happen you know mm. that's crazy isn't it yeah man definitely definitely the colours of the universe mm-hmm. the colours of the universe do you want to hear about another crazy person now yeah I've got I've written Bring down another on. story right this man Michael Malloy. Michael Malloy. That's quite a cool name, don't you think? Michael Malloy? Yeah. Michael Malloy. He was a former firefighter, remembered now by some as Iron Mike, or Rasputin of the Bronx. Uh, he was a homeless Irishman from Coe Donegal who lived in New York City County during the 1920s and 30s. An Irishman. Mm. Shall I get up a photo of him? An Irishman. Have a little look. Michael Malloy. The Bronx. Was the Bronx... Um, the Bronx. <laughs> In New York? Yeah, I think so. It's one of the... It's like Manhattan, the Bronx. Um, I don't know what else there is. Soho, maybe? This is Michael Malloy. He doesn't look like an happy chap, does he? He does not. He's like a serious man. Mm. Serious man. He's different in that picture compared to that picture. Mm, what, this like, one? Yeah. Is that both Michael Oh, wait, maybe that's not him. Ah, uh, well, I think I know who those... I reckon that's Michael Malloy. Ah. Yes, I believe that is Michael Malloy. Right, so he is most famous for surviving a number of attempts, as many as 20 by some accounts, on his life uh, by five acquaintances who were attempting to commit life insurance fraud. (laughs) The events that led to Malloy's death began in 1933, and he was, at the time, alcoholic and homeless after falling on hard times. So, uh, yeah, going for a really tough period of his life. Five men who were acquainted with Malloy, Tony Marino, Joseph Red Murphy, Francis Pasqua, uh, Hershey Green and Daniel Kraisberg, later dubbed the Murder Trust by the headlines, plotted to take out the free, uh, take out three life insurance policies on Malloy and then get him to drink himself to death. Mm. So basically they were going to basically kill him and, and claim the life insurance for mm. themselves. Mike looked like an easy mark. He was wrote the Daily Mirror after the case, just part of the flotsam and jetsam in the swift current of underworld speakeasy life. Those no longer responsible derelicts who stumble through the last days of their lives in a continual haze of bowery smoke. Mm. Why don't you take out insurance on Malloy? Pasqua asked Marino one day. According to another contemporary newspaper report, I can take care of the rest. Marino paused. Pasqua, had no, uh, Pasqua knew he'd pulled off such a scheme once before, as the prior year, 
Marino had befriended a homeless woman named Mabel Carson and convinced her to take out a $2,000 life insurance policy, naming him as the beneficiary. Mm. One frigid night, he force-fed her alcohol, stripped off her clothing, doused the sheets in with... Uh, doused the sheets and mattress with ice water and pushed the bed beneath an open window. The medical examiner listed the cause of death as bronchial pneumonia and Marino collected the money without incident. That's savage. Yeah, so he thought he'd done it once before um, and he figured that Mike Malloy, who looked about 60, um, and although he was a decade younger, he was in terrible shape, so he would just, you know, go easy and Mm. it would be an easy job. So he nodded and motioned to Malloy. He looks all in. He ain't got much longer to go. And anyhow, this stuff's getting to him. They agreed to go ahead. They began backslapping Malloy and gave him free drinks. Malloy, accustomed to getting the bums rush because of his lack of funds, was so thrilled that he eagerly signed a petition that would help elect Marino for local office. <laughs> but what he actually signed was an insurance policy from Metropolitan Life and two from Prudential. Um, The gang even provided Malloy with a crash pad in the back of the bar to sleep off his hangovers. So he basically put him on 24-7, drinking, you know, and and he could just crash back out uh, in the the bed whenever he wanted to. Little did they know just how tough Mike was. When it came to survival, he could match Rasputin, the Russian monk whose enemies needed many attempts before they finally succeeded in killing him. The first part of the Michael Malloy plot was successful, probably achieved with the aid of a corrupt insurance agent, and they stood to gain over $3,500, which was roughly about $67,000 in 2019, um, if Malloy died an accidental death. Marino owned a speakeasy and gave Malloy unlimited credit thinking that Malloy would abuse it and drink himself to death. Although Malloy drank for a majority of his waking day, it did not kill him. To remedy this, antifreeze was substituted for liquor, but still, Malloy would drink until he passed out, wake up, and come back for more. He would just be drinking antifreeze Mm -hmm. and think it was lit. Oh, man, that's savage. Antifreeze was then substituted with turpentine, followed by horse liniment, and finally... (laughs) mixed in rat poison. Still, Malloy lived. The group then tried raw oysters soaked in wood alcohol. So first they were given him wood alcohol, which mm. um, is obviously like what moonshine, I suppose, would have been made out of, mm. which like for a lot of people, like two shots of that would have like been able to kill someone. Mm. He was just drinking it like it was normal, right? Crazy. So they were like, you know what? We're going to give him raw expired oysters, may I add, soak it in wood alcohol, which you'd, you know, at the very least make you blind. Mm. Um, and the idea apparently came from Pasqua, who saw a man die after eating oysters with whiskey. Then came a sandwich full of s- spoiled sardines mixed with poison uh. and carpet tacks. So they were just giving him all this stuff, like tacks in, in the sandwich. He was just eating it. You know, wood alcohol mixed What's with... tacks? Uh, like uh, pins. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, tacks. Yeah. Oh, man. Like little needles and stuff. Crazy. Savage. Um, when that failed, they decided that it was unlikely that anything Malloy ingested was going to kill him. So the murder trust uh, decided to freeze him to death. On a night when he, the temperature reached minus 14 Fahrenheit or minus 26 degrees Celsius. Think how cold that is, man. Well below freezing. <laughs> well below freezing. 
Malloy drank until he passed out and was carried to a park, dumped in the snow, and had five gallons of water poured on his bare chest. Oh my god. Nevertheless, Malloy reappeared the following day for his drink. This guy was like superhuman. The next attempt on his life came when they hit him with a car. They bribed taxi driver Harry Green $150 to hit him, and the murder syndicate got him drunk and propped him up as Harry Green revved his taxi up. At the last second, they were able to jump aside and the car was supposed to knock him over. Malloy, although drunk, avoided the first two attempts to run him down, and on the third attempt, according to Smithsonian Magazine, Green raced towards Malloy at 50 miles an hour, with every second Malloy loomed larger through the windshield. Two thuds, one loud and one soft, the body against the hood and then dropping to the ground. For good measure, Green backed over Malloy. The gang was confident that Malloy was dead, but a passing car scared them from the scene before they could confirm. Five days later, with no reports or death notices for Malloy, the gang began to fear the worst, and sure enough, the door to Marino's speakeasy swung open, and in limped a battered, bandaged Michael Malloy, looking only slightly worse for wear. Oh my god. Crazy, right? The gang had finally had enough at this point, and on February 22nd, after Malloy passed out for the night, they took him to Murphy's room, put a, ju- put a hose in his mouth that was connected to the gas jet, and turned it on. And finally, this killed Malloy. Um, death occurring within an hour. So even then, that's quite mental to have that happening for an hour, and he still was living until he died. Uh, he was pronounced dead of lobar pneumonia by a bribed doctor and quickly buried. Despite this, the murder trust failed to divide the collected loot evenly and fought over it. Eventually, police heard rumours of Rasputin Mike in speakeasies all over town, and upon learning that Michael Malloy had died that night, they had the body exhumed and forensically examined. The five men were put on trial, Green went to prison, and the other four members were ex- were executed in the electric chair Whoa. at Sing Sing. Uh, unlike Mike, mm. none of them survived. Crazy. <laughs> So karma. What poor Mike. What poor yeah, poor Mike. Poor At Mike. least he got the most out of his drink, I suppose. Yeah. Was there going in every day. But um yeah, I assume that's what I assume these people are mm. on the photo. I reckon those are the people of the uh, murder trust yeah. that were coming to kill him because they got the police things there. But um yeah, man. Another just crazy, crazy story. The man, man. that could not be killed. The man that could not be killed. Mate, Mike there's just so much crazy stuff that's happened in the world, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It never ceases to amaze me. No. All no. these mad stories that we come up with on the yeah. pod. Yeah, it, it does feel like, how how are there constantly these just like enigmas <laughs> that come through and just Freaks seem to be nature. able to get through everything? We talked mm. about Tarare earlier on, of course. And uh, yeah, Mike the Durable, the Irishman that couldn't be killed. Mm. Crazy crazy absolutely crazy man i also wrote down some notes about some different psychological experiments from that video i was watching as well oh yeah so i find these really fascinating man Mm. like all the different experiments that teach us about you know the body and the mind Mm. and how we actually work and function as humans just find it like fascinating stuff so um have you ever heard of a man well he was called hm right and he is probably the best known single patient in the history of of neuroscience. His severe memory impairment, which resulted from experimental neurosurgery 
to control seizures which the man had been experiencing from the age of seven was the subject of study for five decades until his death in December 2008. I'll see if I can grab up a photo of old H.M. Um, H.M., there we go. Henry Melison. Henry Melison. What a man. What a man. So, work with H.M. Uh, established fundamental principles about how memory functions and are organized in the brain. When removing a large part of the brain to control these seizures, including both uh, both sides of the hippocampus, HM could still remember certain things, such as his childhood, his name, his address, and his family. He could not remember things leading up to the surgery, and although he had a normal short-term memory, he was not able to create any more long-lasting memories, forcing him to live the next 50 years of his life trapped in a 30-second loop. Oh, man. Imagine that, man. That's savage. Mm-hmm. That is savage. And what makes it even creepier is that he ne- he must have like been getting older, mm. and like whenever he saw himself or whenever he looked down, he w- his last memory would have been like him as a child, mm. and now he was like this old man. And he couldn't put anything together, and that must have yeah. just been his constant, perpetual fear of like what is going on. Yeah, it's scary to think of that, and even people just getting older and like Alzheimer's and stuff like yeah. and you just forget things that you, that literally have happened like yesterday I said, mm. like, when i took my granddad to hospital and he was he, he was like and we got out of hospital and we we're like oh yeah back home now and he's like what do you mean and he's mm. like you know you've been in hospital for the last week like no i haven't i haven't been to hospital mm. and it's like how do you not remember yeah. that you know absolutely yeah. crazy the way that the mind works don't and how you have no control like, over it don't they say it's almost like more horrible for the people sort of around yeah yeah people with that because it's almost like what living you, what in, you don't know doesn't yeah. hurt you like ignorance is bliss yeah kind of that's thing. it yeah but yeah I, I don't think it's it's not something you would want to happen to you ever would, would you? you sort mm. of almost live to make memories to look yeah. back on but um did i have i told you about a guy called um robert monroe talking about like 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 programs and uh, and things like and mm. experiments and he was um he was like a broadcaster in like the 50s and he started having like spontaneous like out of body experiences. All right. And um, so you know like uh, like astral projection and stuff. So like when you're like your spirit or your or your consciousness will go out of your body and like lucid right. dreams, things like that. Um, he he started having them. Thought he was going crazy. So um, would go to like the doctors and stuff, and and they'd just be like tr- like you know um thought he was crazy as well basically, but mm-hmm. he was actually having these like real experiences. And I, I saw this video of someone on YouTube the other other day, um, and it was called the the Gateway Program, and he was talking about that he he did the um and the Gateway Program was apparently like a CIA or a government um operation that happened right. that was um like testing like remote viewing and like cognitive like being able to like astral project and all of these like crazy things but mm-hmm. robert monroe was apparently like the leader of it like uh, so he was actually working with the government and there is actually a place in america now called like the monroe institute and that where where it's like one of the the leading like um like places to study this kind of thing yeah um, but it, it was just mad because I read his books and everything years ago because I was like, oh, finding it really interesting to think about doing astral projection and mm. how cool it would be to actually do that. And then it's crazy that he ha- he 
there must have been something in it with him because he actually was working with the government and yeah. they were talking about psychic abilities and stuff like that and reading people's minds and all this crazy stuff but um yeah he wasn't he was an interesting fellow so is that something that they claim you can learn yeah and and that was, sorry that was the point so so i i i've been interested in this guy for ages realized this thing about the the gateway program saw this like video on youtube of this guy saying about for a year he'd been doing the um the 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 kind of things from the gateway program because you right. can now because it's been declassified you can now like li- like listen to the meditations and stuff to to help you like actually like recreate this within yourself and that mm. as well and he he started doing stuff um and and like it was freaking him out so he stopped it like he would he would know what Whoa. his like girlfriend was thinking about and that and like just like say oh like 30 minutes ago were you thinking about this random thing and they say and she'd be like oh my god and it'd like freak him out and what? stuff you know so it's like it's it's interesting thing, and we're talking about like the power of the mind and like mm. in these thought experiments and stuff like it, that you can actually do certain things that could unlock those parts of your brain and that I find it like really interesting. Yeah, that's That'd be crazy. Cool. But I want to look at it. The gate. I'm I'm definitely going to look it up. Like yeah, like the gateway program. Becoming like a psychic, but to the point where you could literally understand what everyone's thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy, man. I bet mm. you can make like a crazy living off that as well. Yeah. <laughs> if you somehow learnt that like skill. Yeah. It's a bit like that carnival film that we were talking about earlier. Mm. It's a big theme in that. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. I wish I could astral project or just leave yeah. my body and sort of fly about, see what was going on. Yeah, me too, man. I find it so interesting. I'll dig out the books. If mm. I if I find them, you can borrow them and have a yeah, read because it's interesting. It like tells you how to do it in there and stuff, but I was never able to do it. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'll give it a go. Mm. at some point because that'd be cool i'd love to learn yeah that. just imagining anywhere where you want to be and just being able to like be there straight away mm. it's like superpowers but yeah, yeah that's awesome. and like talking about like you know what we see in colors and we only see a certain put like aspect of it mm. not aspect do you know what i mean like a it it would be you know are these um skills available to us as human beings mm. is it something that could be unlocked in our mm. brain's potential Mm. Yeah, man. Interesting. Yeah, 100%. It's cool as well, like, how the brain works. Like, with this HM guy, this is, like, another little fascinating bit about it, where um, one of the tasks, I haven't even written down what the task was, but I know what it was off my head. He basically was given the same task, like, multiple times of having to draw a shape in a mirror, um, but he obviously couldn't see the paper, so he would just look at the actual mirror to see what he was drawing. And every time he'd do it, he'd forget that he'd done it before. It'd be like the first time he'd ever done it. And imagine how hard that would be to like to do, mm. you know, for the first time. But they discovered that over time, each and every time he did it, he got better and better at doing that certain task, mm. which then went on to prove. And that's why he was almost like, there's so many different things they learned about him. And that was one of the main things was that they learned in your memory long-term memory is split into two different ways Mm. so obviously he couldn't remember events he couldn't remember like names situations anything like that from his long-term memory but he was able to still develop the long-term memory of motor skills Mm. and like he it almost shows that you could develop a skill without even even understanding yeah it's not even about knowing what you're doing it's just like your hands know what they're doing, you know. Mm. That's crazy, isn't mm. it? It's not. It's it's almost like a a subconscious memory rather than a conscious memory. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, but mm. that's that just seems crazy that you could like teach yourself to get really good at something. 
even without even understanding why you're good at it yourself. Yeah, you know? yeah. So cool, so right. cool. Should I hit you with one last, one, one last, last interesting one, one I now? Think, man. Um, in 1951, Solomon Ash made a study with six to eight people uh, participating in the study, where only one person was actually the subject of it. Uh, from the subject's perspective, everyone else was being tested as well. They were all sat in line with an obvious question presented to them for them to answer out loud. They were shown three lines and asked which one was the longest. For the first two questions, everyone answered correctly to build trust with the subject. But on the third uh, question, everyone gave the same wrong answer. And Ash found that 75% of people um, would also conform and give the wrong answer to the question. Mm. And he asked them afterwards, he was like, you know, why did you give the wrong answer? And they basically said they either didn't want to look different and mm-hmm. they didn't want to be like ridiculed or that they just genuinely believed they were wrong because everyone else was, you know, saying that same thing. And I find conformity quite interesting mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. They also talked about like, this elevator theory, that, or not theory, but elevator test they did where when you go in an elevator, everyone just kind of faces the door, mm. right? That's just like the natural thing. You go in, you face the door because you know you're walking out that way. But if you walked into an elevator and everyone was facing the wall, you would just face the wall. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like yeah, just subconsciously, man. you would just be like, all right, this is what everyone else is doing. So It is. It's boom. that whole thing, tribal tribal culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Copy. We just copy each other yeah. all the time. You're a sheep even if you don't know it. Yeah, subconscious sheep. Yeah. And I think that's why, uh, you know, that's why advertising and everything's so good because mm. marketing understands that that's how your subconscious human brain psychology works. So tap into that. Yeah, man. Feed that yeah. part. Buy our products. Playing <laughs> people, pl- literally playing people as instruments and mm. just m- making them do what you want. Never be scared to turn around in an elevator where everyone is exactly. facing the other way. And on that note, this has been Pandora's Box. Thanks for joining us, ladies and gents. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed today's episode. Hopefully it was interesting, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, Obadiah will be back with us next Yay! week. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. But um, until then, we've got one last track for you. This one is The Tale of Jimmy O'Malley Part oh, 2. Yeah. What a song, what a story to stand vigil with the visceral cause. Have a good week, everyone. I'm going to see you all now. in the next one.